Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 164 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 4th, 2011 and we've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. We've got to talk about USC Spring Football. Coach Harvey Hyde was down there at Saturday's extended scrimmage uh, for USC, the first scrimmage for USC this spring. We're going to talk to Coach Hyde about that. And we're also going to talk about the Los Angeles Nike camp that was held at USC over the weekend. Tons of great prospects, especially linemen. A lot of big guys and at positions of need for USC. So there was a lot of good athletes down there. We got to talk to a bunch of them. We got to observe them and shoot video. We're going to talk about some of those star prospects that were out there at the camp later on in the show. If you have any questions or comments, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. We can read your email on the air and answer your questions for the show. If you have any ideas for topics, things like that, just send them in to us at podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call us, 206-888-6755 is the phone number, 206-888-6755. Leave us a voicemail. We can talk about the topics or answer your questions on the air. And you can hear your voice on the Peristyle Podcast. What an honor. What an honor. Well, the honor is mine when I get to talk to a guy like Coach Harvey Hyde, every week on the show. Coach, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. I'll tell you, it was great being down there Saturday and seeing the guys get after it and have a scrimmage. That's what it's all about. You get tired of walking through drills and so on, and it feels good hitting people and seeing kids getting excited about hitting people. And, you know, fortunately, uh, so far, uh, there hasn't been any injuries in the spring. That's what you always worry about as a coach because you know, you don't have a lot of time to rehab the kids to get them back ready for fall camp. But I thought it was a great day. Uh, I thought they uh, accomplished a lot and so on. And I had a chance to review and take a look at a lot of the things they were doing. And uh, I just, it was good seeing you along with a lot of other people down there, Ryan. And it was just, uh, it's a great way to, I just wish that they would open the doors up and allow everybody to come on in. I agree with you 100%. There's a lot of USC fans that Feel the same way, Coach. Uh, before we get into all that, I just wanted to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the URL, or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for concerts, the theater, of course, sporting events. you got the, the NBA playoffs coming up soon. There's baseball now in Southern California. Maybe next year there'll be a third basketball team in the Los Angeles area. Lots of stuff going on. If you need tickets, please check out SCTickets.com. That's where Coach Hyde and I like to go and, and get our tickets for anything. And Coach, I know you love going over there. I love going over there because they always put me in the right place, man. I sit and uh, the prices are right and so on, and uh, they're easy to deal with, and they're local. and They're not as big as some of the other uh, outfits out there. So, you know, they you get to know the people you're working with, they're personal with you and so on, and, when you call, they know who you are, and they really do take good care of you. Well, let's get into some of the, these topics for spring football for USC. You got to go down there and and see the workout. It was a, it was a little bit different. Usually, when they held a scrimmage, 
you get stuff like they'll do a lot of their position drills. They'll come through, um, do some special teams work, and then ju- kind of jump right into the scrimmage. It almost seemed like they held like a full regular practice. And then at the end, did this really extended sort of scrimmage where they, it, it went a really long time. Well, they did, and, you know, that's the only way you can see it as a team. It's the only way you can correct mistakes, and timing is so important. We're all, everyone plays together, and on offense, you know, if one guy makes a mistake, it's a terrible turnover, or something could go wrong, or if he misses a block. Or on defense, you know, it's a little bit different. You get after people. If you miss a tackle, of course, or don't get the right coverage, it could be a, a, a touchdown. So you need to do it as a team. You work individually, I think it's very important, but you have to go full speed at the the tempo of a game in order to play like a game, and it's great conditioning, too. The only way you get in shape by it, it's not sprinting and, and so on. It's it's playing football. The football, getting in shape for playing football is playing football, where you do one rep after the next, after the next, which is all different uh, series of plays, different lengths of play, big plays, short plays, hard plays, physical plays, pass rushing plays, and then back in the huddle and you just keep going, and it's game condition. So it's really important to see how people handle the huddle, how people handle uh, uh, team play and, and offensive line play as far as five guys working together and the secondary working together who works best at what position and so on. And the only way you do that is through scrimmaging. Uh, you really worry about it as a coach. I used to, gosh, just cringe every time there was a big hit or somebody got up slow, but you're hoping somebody, you wouldn't lose somebody during this period of time, but you have to do it. You have to do it. And I think after last year at USC, uh, I think the coaches are convinced they have to do it. They have to hit and they're going to have to hit in the fall, too, but you just can't hit on Saturday. You just can't learn how to play the game at the tempo and and the level of, of intensity that you have to play uh, just on Saturday. you got to do it every day with a pace that, that is full speed so that you, you're ready to react when it really counts. Well, they, it looked like they were ready to react out there. I mean, there was it was pretty physical, and uh, I think one of the, the big stories that we've seen this spring so far, and we've talked about it on the site a little bit, we're not seeing the missed tackles that we were kind of seeing before. Even with the starting linebackers all out of the lineup, they got some young linebackers in there. Uh, Dallas Kelly, the new uh, early enrollee from JC, Hayes Pullard in there. Um, and, and especially at, at cornerback, you got some defensive backs coming up and making plays. They're making tackles at the line of scrimmage. I don't think we've seen that as much last year as we're seeing right now it seems like the tackling has got a lot more sound i think the tackling has but they've emphasized it they've done a lot of live tackling which is something i've never seen them do before in individual groups receivers against the uh defensive backs and so on and i think that really helps you learning how to tackle full speed uh but again you know uh I really think that, uh, you know, it's giving a lot of the young linebackers a chance to play, but I really, really uh, think that it's hurting the starters, the linebackers, the guys that are out to miss really spring. I tell you, to have your top three linebackers not go through spring ball, wow. I'll tell you, that that, that is really a hard thing to to adjust to in the fall because these guys are hurt, obviously, and you don't want to get them any more hurt, but... You've got three starters, three linebackers that start that don't even scrimmage or practice in the spring. That's really a difficult thing, but I think the defensive line has progressed. 
I think the defensive ends have not progressed. They've they've gotten better. I mean, not not degressed, but progressed. I think they're working harder. This big kid, how do you pronounce the name? Number ninety, Urko. Uh, Uko, George Uko. Yeah. Uko. I'm gonna tell you, I think he's going to be the next superstar. I think he's a young kid that works hard and plays hard and loves the game of football. You can see it when they play. I think. I think the defensive line is playing more aggressively, and the defensive ends are playing more aggressively. The secondary, by far to me, is probably the most improved area of the football team, I think, right now. But I don't think they're being challenged as far as balls being thrown down the field. I think a lot of the short passing game enables them to react quicker. They're playing a lot of man defense. And on offense, you know, uh, their schemes on offense to bubble screens and the short slants and the fades and so on. These guys get used to these routes. I'd like to see them, uh, you know, develop on these routes and run some posts and run some drags and run some combinations of curls and different things to put more of a strain, of course, on the secondary. But it's early. They only completed their, what, second week of practice. And But I'd like to see the offensive side of the football throw the ball down the field more, something I think they need to improve on. And also when they get the ball down in the goal line situation or the red zone, when they're down there, not play action pass, but get down there and just tell their offensive line, hey, guys, we got four plays. We're not passing the football. We're on the five-yard line. We're not passing the football. You get that football over the line of scrimmage and teach them to be physical enough to drive the defense back even tell the defense we're not going to pass the football and score football uh, and score a touchdown. But I think there's times you've got to have the confidence that you can make the short yardage play with a run. And uh, I haven't seen them really emphasize that the way I would like to see them emphasize that in what you just straight call a goal line drill or during the scrimmage when you're down there, if you remember that, they had an inter- what did they do? They, they threw a long route and the kid fumbled it down there and, and the first play they came out, and then they recovered and play action passed. I'd like to see them just pounded right down, you know, the defense's throat. But, you know, that's just part of my philosophy. I think you've got to be tough as an offense. You've got to be tough as an offensive lineman. And you've got to be able to believe that you can drive people back off the line of scrimmage. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, and I think part of the problem, Coach, is that the numbers are, are certainly limited. I mean, you've got guys like Clint Holmes not able to really – get in there for, for contact drills. Abe Markowitz is still limping around on his uh, his crutches and stuff. A bunch of offensive linemen out. A couple of new guys in there, Jeremy Galton and David Garnett, the, the J.C. transfers. I think that without them, I don't even know if they could scrimmage right now. Um, have you ever seen something like that where there's maybe only six or seven healthy bodies and maybe a couple of walk-ons thrown in there? It, it definitely limits some of the stuff that they can do. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're exactly right. It does, and these guys are gutty guys. Don't get me wrong, but look at the number of turns they're getting. How much better they can get. I'll tell you, when you get a lot of turns like this, you don't have to alternate with other players. You should be getting better, and you get a lot of turns, and and you're learning the offense. These young two G, uh, JC transfers, they're getting turns. They ought to be getting better. In fact. They moved the one Galton go- go- to the left guard right now. I would say he'd be starting at the left guard right now. Uh, and uh, Khalil, uh, I, I think he's getting a lot of turns, which is great. And and the other JC transfers getting a lot of turns. I think that's important to get a lot of turns. I wish that uh, 
uh, what's the big tackle that's got a, a surgery on his ankle? The big Graft is that his name? Kevin Graf was out. Yeah, yeah he's been I, out too. I wish he was out there. He needs turns. But he's key this coming year. He is really key. It's time for him to have a coming out. What I mean by that, it's time for him to baptize somebody. It's time for him, the big, good-looking kid like that, to come out and drive people off the line of scrimmage, six five, six six, whatever he is, and and looks like a football player now become a football player. And it's too bad he's missing the spring, but he's a tough kid. He played hurt last year, and he had a surgery after the season. So you know he'll come back and he'll be good. And, and uh, you know you got to take what you have. You can't have. You can't make excuses. You know, when you say you don't have offensive linemen, well, hell, those kids read that. How can you say you don't have offensive linemen? You've got to take what you have. It's not their fault that that's who's playing. You've got to take what they have, and you've got to make them football players. Maybe they're not Anthony Munoz, but they can bite your arm or bite your ear or something to get you out of the way. And uh, I think you've got to build up players so that they believe in themselves. And if that's what your offensive players are going to be, then that's who they are. Then you got to develop them to become football players. Yep, they might not be Ron Yeri, but who knows? They, as a unit, can become a great group of kids who take a lot of pride that coaches encourage to become great football players. It's really important for these guys to bond right now because they will get some guys off of the, the injury list coming in the fall. They've got some freshmen coming in the fall. So it, it, it will look fine, I think, for USC on the offensive line this fall, but this is a great opportunity for some of these guys, especially the early enrollees to, to make a name for themselves and, and kind of establish themselves somewhere on the, the pencil written depth chart, if you want to say it that way, and then make it harder for some of the new guys coming in or guys coming back off of injury to jump over them, like show them that, Hey, I can, I've worked this spot all spring. I can still play here. And I think that's an opportunity. These guys are really going to try and take advantage of. I think they could do that too. I'll tell you, uh, I would, I would, I would keep the unit as a unit, and guys coming back in the fall, I'd make them beat these guys out. I really would. I think that brings competition. It brings a lot of pride, and it it sort of shows a a uh, sense of loyalty to the kids that are out there and playing hard. And then if someone comes in and beats you out, that kid knows that the uh, player in front of him is better, and there's no hard feelings, and he says he's a better football player than I am. I'll tell you, if you took kids and allowed them, except for their position, to put the starting players on the football field, they would put the best players out there because they all want to win. So, uh, you know, uh, I think that SC, when I watch SC practice, uh, I think they've got great talent. They always have great talent at USC. They've got a couple of areas that are a little bit lean and linebackers and offensive line right now, but they've got great receivers. They've got great defensive backs. I think the running backs are probably a little leaner and younger and need to get some experience a little bit more to become, you know, of course, Tyler's not out there either to become great football players. But I think, you know, when you look overall at the rest of the teams in the country, you've got to look at it and you've got to say, I wouldn't trade this personnel with a lot of teams. And there's a lot of teams in the country that are out there that are ranked high that I still wouldn't change these this roster at USC with a lot of other rosters. And, and I think this roster, with the new class coming in, Ryan, will be a, a real potentially good football team. I really believe that. I think that what needs to be developed is the timing, uh, the offense itself, the defense, as far as being able to stop the options and 
the spread offenses, also throw the ball down the field and establish a running game. If they can do that with the athletes they have, they'll be a damn good football team. And I think that's what you have to do is build on the positive. And one of those star athletes coaches, uh, Robert Woods, and you got to see him make an amazing play as usual yeah. on Saturday. He caught he's a, a little great player. Yeah, pass behind he's, the line of scrimmage. He's a phenom, baby. He's a phenom. I'd yeah. coach him. I, I just, I just coach one guy on this team, Robert Woods. <laughs> <laughs> well, he caught this little screen pass, and the the defense had him dead to rights, and he was just talking about it. Well, I got surrounded, and he ended up bouncing off a defender and turning into like a seventy yard touchdown play, and. You know, he goes out for a couple of couple of practices with an injury, comes back, and he just kind of gets dinged up a little bit with his hammy, comes back, and uh, the offense was terrible pretty much when he was out. That I mean, Lane Kiffin, the, the starting, you know, what his first comments were, defense dominated, the offense was awful, and then Robert Woods comes back, and it seems to get back to normal. I mean, it seems like one dude can make a huge difference on this offensive team right now. Well, you know, he's a superstar, and of course, uh, you know, when you get used to going to a guy like that, you go to him. But again, you gotta, you got to keep the defense off balance, you know. You, you can't just uh, allow them. You know, when a defense sees the same offense every day, every day, you know, they're not, they're figuring it out. Uh, you know, you can figure it out. I even figure it out myself with certain formations and and audibles and, and you'd be able to, you know, to know the routes and so on uh, that they run when they when they see a tight man, they're going to run a fade or try to run a clear slant or something. You know, you've got to give the offense some additional help because the defense gets to know the offense; it sees it all the time. So uh, the defense is normally ahead of the offense at this time of spring practice, but uh, the offense, you know, they they've got to do some things to assist them get a little bit better and i said it earlier they've got to run some corner routes they've got to run some curl routes they've got to run some fades chop and come back with slants because when you start the fade route or you got to when you're with the defense remember the sidelines defensive football players so if you're going to run a fade route you can't take a wide split on that if you audibleize to it move back inside if the receiver plays you outside, then run a slant off of it. He comes back inside, run the fade. If he plays you head up, then you make the decision the best way, make some moves and beat him. But you got to be able to assist the offense by stretching the field. And right now in the scrimmage I saw Saturday, there was a short passing game emphasis. Most of the timing on screens and so on yet weren't there, but they will get there. The running game wasn't as, as sharp as what it should be, and that's, again, because they probably haven't practiced it as much. But uh, they will get better. The defense right now is ahead of the offense. No, I, I agree with you 100% on that, Coach. We'll see. We're about a third of, you know, uh, well, we're two out of five weeks down. So we got, we're two-fifths of the way through spring football. There'll be a lot more storylines and stuff going out. And like you said, not a lot of injuries, things like that. Um, it's it's a good thing and just a great opportunity for some of these young guys to to get some experience and and get them ready for the fall because that's when you know it's going to happen. You know USC will be in a position to to try and make a run at a a Pac-10 title even if they can't go to a bowl game depending on what happens with the appeal. And there's enough talent on this roster that having games lost like the the Oregon State game or Washington things like that, I just don't think the fans are going to be 
all that happy knowing that, yeah, there's sanctions and stuff in place. There's some limitations, but there's still a lot of talent on this team. There is a lot of talent on the team, and I tell you, the morale is really good. At the end of practice, when team all comes up and and uh, gets fired up with Coach Kiss, Kiffin when he talks to him and so on, it's great to see that. Great to see enthusiasm. These guys haven't given one bit of a thought about uh, not being able to go to a bowl game or whatever the appeal is or so on. That's the last thing in this team's mind right now. They've learned what it's all about. They're going to play through it. If the appeal comes back, which it should with some type of uh, lesser penalties, this that'll be another lift for the team. But uh, this team uh, right now doesn't care about what the uh, penalties are. They're having practice. It looks like they're having fun. And I tell you, it's important to watch players play and work hard. Coaches yell at them, but yet you see them with their enthusiasm and so on as far as their practice. Spring practice is not a fun thing. Anybody who's played football, it's a torture period. But there's not a reward at the end as far as a game or a championship or, or something like that. It just hit the same color every single day, do the same thing every single day, and it's not a lot of fun. But uh, this team so far, after two weeks, I think has uh, improved. I think, like you said, I think they're tackling better. They're having more physical contact than they have in the past, and they need to work more on individual skill drills as far as live uh, skilled drills and coach up the players as far as the do's and the don'ts and what's right and what's incorrect and how to improve both the offense and the defense through techniques and play callings and coverages and routes and all of the things. Like, like, like I see, I don't see them running the outside much as far as the offense. No outside game yet that I've seen. I saw that one pitch play on Saturday, and I didn't know where that came from. I don't know if you saw that or not, because normally that's a play you set up with sweep or bellies or something back to what backside, and he got swapped. And it looked like a semi truck hit him. <laughs> I forget who the back was, but uh, you know, I think sometimes it it puts the offense at a little bit of a, a disadvantage. But sometimes coaches call plays just so they can get them on. Uh, tape so that they can coach from it but uh, you know uh, you know right now I like the enthusiasm out there I like the way kids are playing if things aren't game plan yet we're you open it up but I got I just got to believe that they've got to learn uh, they'll learn to be confident of throwing the ball down the field throw the ball down the field and run the football down the field you've got to be able to to do that and the only way you do that is doing it live against a good defense which you're doing all right coach well, we got one uh question for you before we let you go mark actually said that in last week but we did we are in secret assignment so we didn't have you on but mark wants to know coach Hyde, have you lost your marbles or is the catalina sun getting to you interesting start to the email but he said well i agree that the history location and settings of the rose bowl are superior to just about any other alternate venue for the national championship game. The quality of seating makes it miserable for the fans. He says it's a terrible sight for anything other than the UCLA game since they have suitable parking for their 30,000 rabid fans. What do you have to say to Mark? My, my man, I've lost my marbles a long time ago, okay? <laughs> First of all, I agree with you on that. I have in the Catalina sun or any sun. I've been in the sun too long. But I basically was talking, and I agree with you with the seats. I tell you, I'm six three, six four, and when I have to sit in those same seats that you sit in, 
it is a painful moment. And uh, I'm basically talking about the tradition of the game. I hope they uh, correct those seats here with what they're doing down there now as far as building the, the new press boxes and so on. I think that's something that's important. But I'm talking about the championship game being in the Rose Bowl because of the tradition. It's a college stadium. All the other bowl games uh, are not played as far as BCS bowl games now in college stadiums. They're all in NFL stadiums. Every kid that grows up would love to come to Pasadena and play in the granddaddy of all of them. But I agree with you 100%. It's a lot easier to go there when there's 30,000 people in the stadium. It's a lot easier when you have two or three seats next to you where you can sit sideways. But uh, the the game itself uh, is a uh, traditional event that is something that I think is football history. And, uh, yes, the seating is terrible for the fans. I have to agree, but they're in the bad seat once you get there. It's just it's very difficult to get in and out of the rows. And also, if you're a tall guy, it was built for <laughs> shorter people. <laughs> or, or it wasn't built for bigger people. So uh, I think, Ryan, you'd have a tough time sitting in those seats, too. It's, a, it's not a real comfortable uh, atmosphere, but it's a great atmosphere. And that's what I'm talking about. But as far as the Catalina Sun, I love it. Losing my marbles, I've done that a long time ago, and I've been called worse, so I love this guy for being nice to me. All right, well, thanks, Mark, for that, and thanks, Coach. Um, Mark, yeah. I love you, buddy. Keep them coming in. I'll see you at the Rose Bowl. Sweet, yes. All right, Coach. Well, thanks very much for uh, sharing the insights, and we'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully we'll get to catch a couple of practices again together and talk about what we saw out in the practice field. We're going to do that. I'm going to go Saturday again, Ryan, and, and uh, watch uh, practice. And they'll probably scrimmage again Saturday and uh, get another look and see if they're doing the things we just talked about. And if they aren't, we'll talk about it again. Sweet. All right. Well, Coach, we appreciate it as always. Everyone else will be back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk with Gerard Martinez all about the USC Los Angeles Nike camp that it held over the weekend. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some USC recruiting with uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. Gerard, we're out there at the L.A. Nike camp at USC yesterday on Sunday. Uh, a lot of kids out there, a lot of good-looking prospects. It seemed like a really big day for especially the big uglies, the linemen. Definitely. Uh, that was kind of the focus going into the camp, and uh, that was definitely where the most talent was, and it was probably the most exciting, intriguing position because obviously with USC, 
They need linemen. They need offensive linemen specifically, and it's a great year in California and on the West Coast for offensive linemen. So, you know, when you get a camp and you can get uh, several of those guys together and watch them match up against good competition, um, you know, it's it's always intriguing and it's exciting. And uh, the camp was good. It was a good, solid camp and uh, got to see a lot of prospects yesterday. Yeah, well, let's, I guess we can break it down by position. Um, you were down on the field. I was actually up top of the bleachers filming because uh, I wanted to get those offensive linemen, defensive linemen one-on-one. So maybe we'll start with the the aforementioned linemen. Uh, on the offensive side, I guess the biggest name out there, uh, Jordan Simmons really kind of made a name for himself. I mean, he's he's got a name for himself already, but he's, he did really well. Jordan Simmons is well-established. Uh, you know, we first saw him at a camp – which was, I believe it was UCLA last spring, early summer, and was fairly dominant there. Uh, went against some solid defensive linemen, not a spectacular group. It was led by Steve Dillon, who just signed with USC and is going to be in that 2011 class for USC. And, you know, Steve Dillon's a very, very good player. And Jordan Simmons took him on. And the one thing about Jordan Simmons that really stands out to me every time I see him block is his poise. He really is a stone cold killer of a blocker. Just don't see much facial expression. He doesn't panic. Uh, he moves with a lot of grace for a guy that's 330 plus. Um, he has some bad body weight right now. That's really one of the challenges. He has to kind of uh, get himself on a better diet um, because it, 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 while it's not really affecting his movement too much, he probably has even more potential uh, speed-wise. And I think that also is going to impact whether he plays guard or tackle in college. A lot of people really look at him as a guard right now. And I said it before, I think if there's a five-star guard out there and you know, the, the the rankings gurus at Rivals.com don't like to give out five-star rankings to guards. It's kind of almost like the same thing as ranking a, a punter of five-star. The importance of the position um, looked at overall uh, is not as significant as it is, you know, for an offensive tackle. Offensive tackle, you're on that, you know, blind side. If you're a left-side tackle or even if you're a right-side tackle, you tend to take on better athletes um, at defensive ends. But I think, you know, as we've gone along with football, Every position is pretty important, and uh, if you don't got a good guard, you're going to be exploited there with the, a good three-technique defensive tackle, and if you don't got a good center, you're going to get exploited right over the middle of the defense, and you don't have a guy that can make good calls and can read blitzes. I mean, all of those offensive line positions are important, and I think Jordan Simmons is so good that even if he plays guard, I mean, I think he's a five-star guard. I think he really is of the nation's elite, and he's done it consistently. Yesterday, he was great. Uh, we saw some great battles with him, and, and really – you know, he did lose a couple battles. There was a couple guys that got past him. But you're talking about overall, these are non-pad, uh, technically non-contact camps. You know, UCLA, USC Rising Stars camp last year, um, the Badger Sports Elite Lineman camp in Vegas this year. All those camps, he's been dominant just because he loses one or two reps. I mean, you're looking at a guy that I think if you're in pad, it's much harder for those defensive linemen to get the defensive linemen to get slippery and get past him. I mean, you're, you, these guys have these little Nike dry fit tight little shirts on and stuff. When you're playing in full pads and you got jerseys on, those offensive linemen can leverage and can pull and can hold and can do all kinds of things that won't get called in a line game. And uh, and they're going to be able to stop you, and there's not going to be any pass rush moves you're going to be able to do to get away from them. So I think in a lot of those instances, Jordan Campbell would have been successful. Or excuse me, Jordan Simmons. Jordan Campbell. Wow, where did that come from? We don't want to talk about Jordan Campbell. That's 
that's uh, might as well uh, start to talking about the uh, freaking uh, first round picks and crap. But anyways, um, yeah. But Jordan Simmons was just uh, he he was he really swallowed up a lot of the pass rushers and was he was as good as we expect him to be. And I think that's saying a lot because a lot of people expect a lot of him because he's been dominant before. Uh, there's a couple other big names out there. Um, one of the guys I thought was interesting uh, from Bishop Gorman High School, Ronnie Stanley. Um, he's a 2012 kid as well, has an offer from USC, but he looked a little lean out there. I mean, he's, he's, it's like he's playing basketball, but uh, he's definitely showed that he has skills. Definitely got a lot of potential, and I think you know what you did see from Ronnie Stanley was maybe – probably the most exciting kind of intriguing part of his game. Uh, what he did was solid. You know, he had some, some bad plays there, you know, a couple, you know, technically got a little too high on some guys that they were able to get inside of them. Um, you, but you're talking about a lineman that's, you know, a good six, six, uh, you know, probably about 270, 275 right now, but got really long arms, really good lateral movement. And I think that's, the reason with his wingspan and his lateral movement, he's going to be an offensive tackle. And, and that's good because USC needs to recruit offensive tackles in this class. They've got some offensive guards in the last class. So 2012, they won off the tackles. And he's a guy that, um, you know, he's pretty open to playing either side. He played a lot of right tackle last year uh, because of some injuries um, and looked pretty comfortable there. He's a great run blocker. And that's the thing. You know, when you come to these camps, I don't personally like to put a, too much stock into a camp. I mean, it is a camp. There's no pads. It's not real football. So you're really looking at this as a complement to what you see on film with kids, what you get to see with them in person on Friday nights. And we've seen Ronnie Stanley play in games where he has just destroyed people as a run blocker. He's a great, great run blocker, a great puller, uh, gets down to that second tier of the defense. It's very aggressive. So when you look at him at this camp, you actually get to see a lot of things you don't get to see on film. You get to see him pass block in a lot of situations. You get to see him in kind of a finesse mode where you have to use more technique and more athleticism to be able to block a defensive end, and he did really well in those in those instances. And so it's not really necessarily always uh, the result of who won that battle. It's more or less what he's doing. How did he lose that battle, or how did he win that battle? And I liked what I saw from Ronnie Stanley. He does have to put on some weight. He's playing basketball, but in terms of athleticism, you know, he's got the long arms, uh, you know, really intelligent kid. He, you could see that he was trying to get coached up, and he was kind of learning and listening, and he was aggressive. He got lots of reps. Uh, there was really nothing that uh, I didn't like from, from watching Ronnie Stanley. Is he the best offensive tackle in his class? Is he, you know, the best guy, uh, which, you know, he was kind of in that conversation. I don't know if I would put him in the best. Uh, I think he's one of the better, um, you know, offensive linemen, offensive tackles in this entire class nationwide, uh, which is still saying a lot. Uh, but is he the, the best? Um, probably not at this point. I think there are probably some other guys out there. Uh, but, again, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's not really necessarily important. I think, you know, when you saw from the offensive line standpoint, uh, and I kind of wrote it in uh, the offensive line, defensive line overview that we put up this morning on uscfootball.com, it was a nice compliment to what Jordan Simmons was doing. You got Jordan Simmons, who's really powerful, explosive, kind of looks more like an interior guy right now. You know, we'll see what happens when he drops some weight. And then you've got Ronnie Stanley, who's kind of, 
the opposite in some ways because you know he's he's smaller he's got to bulk up and he's got the longer arms he's got the more range and uh, it was kind of a nice one-two punch for the offensive lineman in that uh, in that camp last uh, or yesterday so I think that's kind of um, the, the interesting thing that you take away from uh, watching these camps is kind of you know how how do these players if they were in the same class if they were playing together how would they play together you know where would you put them um, I think that was kind of intriguing as well. Uh, there's a couple other offensive linemen we want to talk about. I, I don't want to waste too much time on that. Not wasting time, but, you know, we want to talk about other positions as well. But Lacey Westbrook is an interesting guy. Kind of similar size, maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong with Jordan Simmons, but he didn't seem quite as athletic as Simmons, at least going through some of those skill drills and stuff. Simmons, you said, had some, some bad weight, but it still looked like he moved around really well. Westbrook looked like he didn't kind of carry his weight quite as good. He's a 2012 kid out of Dominguez. Well, Simmons is definitely quick. He's got great feet. And, and, and we talk about bad body weight. I mean, it's really not affecting him right now athletically. And so it's, it's not one of those things that, you know, he needs to lose weight because this and this and this. It's more of a, you know, is he being disciplined? He's going to get on a, a regimen once he gets to college. It's going to be better than what he's on right now. Um, and, and that can affect just kind of where his ceiling is. So that's when, you know, you start talking about guard or tackle and, and where he fits in. Uh, but you're looking at that in, a, in kind of a bubble um, but he stole, like I said, <laughs> there's a five-star guard out there nationwide. It's Jordan Simmons. Uh, Lacey Westbrook is a guard, uh, didn't really participate yesterday in any of the one-on-ones, did some of the drills. He's recovering from an ankle injury. I just don't think that he's of that level player. I mean, we're, we're, we're in a different league there when you're talking about Jordan Simmons as opposed to Lacey Westbrook. And really, I, I look more at that uh, when you're looking at film. I mean, you can't really compare film and, and – there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, this is, like I said, a great class uh, in Southern California, California, let alone the whole West Coast. So when you're starting to compare him to guys, and, you know, Eric Magnuson uh, from La Costa Canyon was not there. Uh, Kyle Murphy was not there from San Clemente. Those guys were up at the Oregon Junior Day. So we didn't get to see all those guys. We got to see Eric Magnuson uh, the week before at the Asante Trenchman camp. And, I mean, even I think Magnuson is kind of a different player than Simmons. Simmons is much closer to what you're going to want to see line up for your college football team next year. You know, he is a lot, a lot he, and, and I can say as a guard, man, I mean, he's an instant impact player. He's a guy that can play as a true freshman at USC, at Oregon, at Alabama. I mean, he's literally that good boy. I think he could come in and, you know, get, get on the, the right weight program. Uh, he can make an impact as a freshman. Uh, where he has Lacey Westbrook, um, Eric Magnuson. I like Eric Magnuson a lot more than Lacey Westbrook. Uh, but I think even Eric Magnuson, he's, he's only about 270, 275. He's going to have to put on a lot of weight, I think, to be a guy that's going to contribute as a freshman. So kind of different leagues when you're looking at those guys. And again, with Westbrook, he had a bum ankle, so he really didn't participate a whole lot either. So that was probably some of the reason why you know he wasn't as agile or, or didn't have you know kind of the quick feet that, that Jordan Simmons did. Okay, uh, let's look at some defensive linemen there. I think you got to start off with uh, maybe the most talented player in the camp, uh, Ellis McCarthy out of Monrovia High School. And Ellis did not win the defensive line MVP. We'll talk about who did, which was 
somewhat surprising, but you know, it, you're looking at camp performance and the coaches are there and they kind of see things with a different eye uh, than, than we do. We're looking at the guys that, that can play on Saturdays. You know, we're looking to see who's got the most talent and, 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 you know, sometimes it's only a few reps where you really see the difference between one player and the other. And, and, you know, this is a, uh, MVP it tends to be a culmination of a lot of things going on within the camp that we're not necessarily interested in every single thing that the kids are doing. But Ellis McCarthy might have actually made himself the number one defensive tackle prospect uh, in the whole nation with his camp performance. We saw him at the Army All-American game. I mean, I saw him last year uh, at, at the Nike camp, and he kind of grabbed my eyes. The guy that, you know, he's, he's a good-looking kid, and, and, he, and he was not anywhere near as big as he was. He's grown, you know, in terms of height, and he's put on more weight. And he's still as quick, though. And so he comes from that Nike camp, kind of guy, you know, he looked a good-looking kid. Saw him at a USC game, decided, you know what, I'm going to go down to one of his games at Monrovia and check him out and see, you know, he's a good-looking kid. He looked like he's gotten bigger and he's put on some good weight. You know, kind of see what he's developed into. And he's developed into a complete, utter beast. Um, I mean, he was running down guys 15 yards downfield. He's on kickoff. He's doing all kinds of stuff that you see – you know, a player that's able to kind of play outside of his assignment. And as a defensive lineman, that's really where you start to talk about the elite player. Ellis McCarthy turned around at the Army All-American game and ran a 4-9 on a really slow field at 311 pounds. So he's 6'5", 311 pounds. And when you see the time speed and then you see what he can do in a game where he runs down a player like that, you're looking at a guy that can actually change the game somewhat from his position. And you put a three technique like that, a guy that can, you know, clog the passing lanes because he's tall, a guy that, you know, is fast enough to be able to just shoot a one gap and get in the offensive backfield. And then a guy that is not only able to get in the offensive backfield, but able to run down play sideline to sideline, you know, outside the hashes and all over the field. I mean, that's an impact player. And what you saw yesterday was kind of him adapting also to the camp aspect of things and how it's different than the game. When he came in the Army All-American game, or Army All-American under a classman combine, he kind of took a while to kind of get in the rhythm of things. You know, he got stonewalled on his first couple of reps, and it was like, man, you know, you're taking video, and you're looking at me going, Ellis McCarthy, like, who's this guy? Why are you telling me to videotape this guy? He just got shut down on his first two reps. And I'm thinking, well, he was better like that with pads on. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, maybe a camp situation, you know, he's, he's just bull rushing. We'll see, we'll see. And as the time, you know, as the, the reps went on, you could see him kind of figuring out, okay, I can't just bull rush these guys. I got to have some technique. This is better competition than I've faced in a long time. And once he started to doing that, he dominated. I mean, he went like 11 straight reps without being really touched. And we saw that kind of picked up where we left off in San Antonio uh, Saturday where, you know, his first rep was just a quick, just a little over kind of swim move, slipped by the, the, the offensive lineman. The offensive lineman didn't really know what happened. I mean, he was dying before he really got out of his stance, and it was just like, you know, touch the bag, run back in, get you another rep, and he got lots of reps. And, I, and that's, I think, the important thing also when we're talking about some of these elite guys, guys like Jordan Simmons and Ronnie Stanley, uh, and, and the next guy I'll talk about, Aziz, uh, you know, Aziz Shitu ended up being probably, well, he was the MVP of the camp, and he ended up being probably the biggest surprise of the camp, kind of sort of. I mean, we knew about him coming in. You know, he's, he's one of the better players. You watch his tape. It's very impressive. Uh, but as far as being kind of an elite-level guy, he showed that uh, Saturday. And it was another guy that was hungry for reps. Nobody got more uh, reps than Shitu. Nobody got more reps than him. And that was, I think, uh, another thing that stood out with the coaches and why he ended up getting the MVP. He's 
definitely a, it kind of is a, is, is a, is a cross. And, and I, don't, I hate to put those comparisons out there because it's really, you know, people's minds start to just go crazy, especially as he fans when I'm going to make this comparison. But he's kind of a cross between maybe a, a Jarrell Casey and a George Uko. Um, I don't know if he's quite got that athleticism as Casey. I mean, Casey kind of had a natural – he just had this knack to be able to kind of feel around the block and, and really just negotiate it in this way that was really quick. And, and uh, he, he was just so – Agile. Um, I don't know if Shitu is quite that level guy, but then, you know, it's kind of where he's bigger and he's a little more like Uko in a certain way. He doesn't quite have the long, long arms that Uko does, but if you kind of cross those guys together and, and not just, you know, their, their, their good attributes, but maybe some of their bad attributes as well, I think that's kind of where you get Shitu. He's, you know, 6'2", maybe 6'3", he's listed as 6'3", probably about 6'2", 275 pounds, 280 pounds, but very explosive where you look at Ellis McCarthy who, you know, once he's, he's kind of like a runaway train, you know, he kind of a little bit of momentum. Once he starts really going, uh, that's where he, you know, you could see him running down running backs and, and really making some plays in the offensive uh, backfield. Uh, Shitu is a little more of an explosive guy, you know, uh, uh, maybe more of a one-shade guy that that uh, you know can get to center and make a couple quick moves, and bam, he makes a, you know a great play in the offensive backfield, able to get the running back. I don't know if he's a guy that's going to be able to flat out run down plays from the backside and what have you, um, but was a guy that you know just just really aggressive, great footwork, very explosive. Um, you know, I mean, he looks like he's going to be an offer guy for USC. We'll see what that happens today. There's some talk that, uh, you know, he, he was able to contact uh, Ed Ergeron uh, after taking an unofficial visit to USC, and they talked about, like, they were going to really want to offer him a scholarship. So uh, we'll see. You know, with Ian Ellis McCarthy, I mean, that's a, that's a good one-two punch to have. And I kind of see those guys as being different players. You know, it's going to be – difficult because every defensive lineman kind of wants to play the three technique. That's, you know, what they all want to play because that's the real pass rush technique uh, that you play on the defensive line. But um, I, I kind of see them as being different players. I think Shitu could definitely grow into being more of a one shade and, and be more of a guy that you kind of put over center and is able to kind of control the, the middle of the offensive line, which, again, it's just like the offensive line when you're talking about centers as opposed to tackle. I mean, they're all really important positions. Yeah, some get drafted higher than others, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, when it comes to a paycheck, uh, you're going to guys like uh, you know Mangold for the Jets who got a huge paycheck you know playing center no that was unheard of for a long time but it's like hey I mean that's 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 football. If you don't have a good center, you can hike the ball. And what the heck are you going to do? I mean, that's that's the first thing you got to do in football is hike the ball. So every position it's kind of becoming that way where you know everybody uh, is integral to to the whole game. Yeah, and, uh, Ryan Ryan Khalil, another guy, he's got a franchise tag for the first time in the NFL as center. So it's pretty. Interesting you see some centers there. What about uh, at linebacker? Jabari Ruffin is a, is a guy that kind of stood out there for me. Yeah, I mean, he just is by far the best athlete out there that I saw. Um, and just his size, uh, his speed. Again, we kind of saw him uh, already, you know, this spring and, and watched him just move. And you know, it's one of those things where you just want to eyeball him and get to see, you know, how big he is and how fast he can move for how big he is because, you know, linebackers, you kind of, it's a, it's a mixed group. You know, you can get guys that are listed as 6'2", 215. Sometimes they show up six foot and they're like 195 and 200 pounds. You're going, well, this completely changes, you know, what, what my, 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 my thought was on where this kid's going to play and what he can do in college. It's similar to offensive line. It is a non-contact camp, so you're, you're not really able to see 
some of the more important things you value in a linebacker, you know, how aggressive he is, you know, how, how, how hard he hits, what is his tackling technique. I mean, you know, how t- you know, the tenacity factor that you have to have as a linebacker. You don't get to see that in the camp. Um, you do get to see them play in space a little bit. And I liked what I saw from Jabari. He's not uh, really – he doesn't understand coverages a whole lot. You know, when they started going down uh, to the scale down, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not really seven on seven. It's just running backs and tight ends and uh, receivers um, in, in a shorter field. You kind of got to see him get a little mixed up sometimes. You know, he's in the flat. Maybe he should have been taking the curl. And, and it just, it's, a term, it's just a matter of him, you know, understanding fundamentals and understanding coverages. But he's got all the athleticism to do everything you want him to do. Um, and, and he's, again, just you just look at him. I mean, he is really, really kind of a standout type guy, um, a good, you know, couple inches taller than just about every other linebacker out there. Um, he didn't get the MVP. Uh, and, and, again, you know, you kind of have to look at the overall, what the coaches are looking at. You know, they're, you're kind of taking the culmination of the performance uh, different than, you know, just specific things that you want to see out of a kid. Butch Powell ended up being the guy who won the MVP, linebacker from Servite. He was about 5'11", 215 pounds. We saw at the Army All-American Combine. Really struggled in the Army All-American Combine. Saw him again Saturday. I kind of thought he struggled in, in certain situations, too. And, again, you know, I mean, my, my, my opinion is, is just different. I'm maybe looking at different things than the coaches and the people at Nike were looking at. Um, but uh, coverage is, is his thing where he struggles. He's a guy that, you know, he, he makes his name by playing with pads on and being a guy that goes out there and just, you know, just has a knack for football. And, and, and I, you know, I respect that totally. And I think that, you know, USC is going to continue to look at him because of that. I, you know, just camps, again, it goes back to what I was saying with the offensive and defensive linemen. You, you kind of take this as a compliment to things that you see on Friday nights. You, you really have to maintain that football, watching a kid play football, and if he's out there kicking ass as a football player, you don't just ignore that because he sucked at some camp or he was bad in this drill at a camp. I mean, that's just it's nonsense. You, you, you really have to take into account what he does uh, overall. And I, I think, you know, when you're weighing those things, camps as opposed to football and tape and stuff, you got to go with the tape. you got to go with the results and the production that he puts on the field. What about uh, for the defensive backs? Uh, Devontae Neal actually played defensive back. He seemed like he had a good day. I liked what Devontae Neal did. He didn't like what he did. Um, I, you know, he's gone to a lot of camps and been pretty unstoppable as a receiver. He's extremely polished. He runs really good routes. He's fast. I think the one thing I'd like to say about Devontae Neal more than anything, and, and I wish I would have just told him this even because he was so disappointed after the camp, you know, he's been to a lot of camps, and he's done a lot of combines. And he was out there, you know, after his year at the underclassmen combine in San Antonio. And he was good. And he's been good at everything we've seen. And that actually, you've got to give a guy credit for that. You know, it's, it's so hard to be consistent. You know, and that's something that, you, you know, I think we, we kind of take for granted with certain kids. Uh, there's a term called the paralysis by analysis where you start to see a kid over and over and you start to pick at, you know, things that he doesn't do well. And it's like, yeah, I've seen this, but, you know, he doesn't do this. And you, you just start to see him more and more and more. And, I really, I haven't really done that with Devontae Neal. I've seen him a bunch of times, but every time I see him, I, I think, man, kid is good. He's quick. He's fast. He's aggressive. He's, you know, he's not getting a whole lot bigger, but he doesn't need to get a whole lot bigger. I mean, he's a good five ten, almost five eleven right now. So, you know, he has all those attributes. This was the first time that we saw him in a camp situation play defensive back, and I liked what I saw. He was aggressive. You know, he had good hips. He's fast. 
he's not as accustomed to that position. And, you know, in a camp situation, it's much harder to be dominant as a quarterback than it is receiver. And <laughs> he got a little taste of that. Now he knows what it's like to be out there and to run these little slant routes and these little double moves when you've got just field upon field. I mean, it's just open space. These receivers can run anywhere they want to. And it goes back, you know, with the, with the linebackers against those running backs and those drills. Those drills are just, you know, I mean, if you see a linebacker doing really well in those drills, he's to win really, really, really well. I mean, Montez perfect. I go back to those days watching him be dominant in those, uh, those, those running back, uh, linebacker um, coverage drills where the running backs are running wheel routes, they're running these zigzag routes. And it's just, it's impossible, you know, to be up that close to the line of scrimmage, you're trying to run with this little 5'8 scat back track guy. Well, similar to the receivers against the DBs and the corners, it's really tough to be able to, uh, to, to stay on those guys. And, and like I said, they did some scale-down um, drills where, you know, you had the tight ends involved, you had the running backs involved, and all of a sudden now you're, you're kind of you, – you're forcing kids to get into a coverage, and they kind of have to know where they are in that coverage. And these kids have never played with each other and, you know, in terms of responsibilities and what can I do. And it, there's a lot more hesitation, and it's different than – You'll see seven on seven, and even a lot of team stuff at maybe Rising Stars camp. I mean, I, you know, I think one of the few college camps that that, that does it, the full out team drills. You know, when Pete Carroll was running the Rising Stars camp, and we'd just be out there, just going, wow. I mean, you know, it, it's amazing to watch them. And but that's a whole that's a whole day. Those guys go back into film, they watch, they have team meetings. I mean, it's a whole. It's a whole thing where they're able to kind of get to know each other. It's a two-day camp. You know, you're able to do a lot more from a kind of a, a coverage standpoint and a scheme standpoint uh, in that kind of campus, you know, Nike camp where the kids are there for three or four hours. And, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to run this coverage. And, hey, you do this. So, you know, for Devontae Neal, I totally defend him and have his back. I liked what I saw from him. I like what I saw from him athletically as a corner. I like what I see from him uh, on film as a corner. Um, and I think, you know, if he fits into what USC wants to do, you know, they're recruiting as an athlete. You got to think, you know, cornerback would be that position that they that he would have probably the, the the easiest, clearest pathway to you know playing right away. Because obviously, you know, the receiver position it's stacked. They got a lot of receivers. They do need an elite corner in this class, and they're searching high and low for him. And um, I don't know that Devontae Neal isn't that guy. Did he, you know? for sure kind of submit that, you know, he could be an All-American corner at the camp. Not really, but again, I, I'm not necessarily going to close the door on it either. I think that uh, he performed really well, and he, he did a lot of good things. I, I liked him. I liked Ishmael Adams as well. He's smaller. He's, uh, you know, very aggressive. He's stronger, you know, as a, as a cornerback, but he has that kind of like that small – um, compact little bulldog type kind of thing, which is funny because he has a bulldog. Uh, we talked about that the other day. Uh, Pluto, who was at the 1925 uh, practices, he kind of plays like that. I mean, he's he's very compact and he and he gets into you and he gets after you. He's got pretty good speed, um, you know. But you know, with all these defensive backs, I think with guys like Ishmael Adams and uh, Kevon Seymour, who's from uh, Pasadena Muir High School, taller, more lanky guy, was not at the camp. Um, it, regardless, all those guys are going to have to probably be male evaluation guys or camp guys. So, um, you know, Devontae Neal is actually one of the, the few players that, as an athlete, has a scholarship offer from USC. So he can end up playing either way. Okay. Uh, we're, we're running out of time. we got a couple of questions to get to, but I, maybe some of the skill guys on offense, like uh, receivers or tight ends that stood out to you. Well, Taylor McNamara is a guy with an offer uh, who's, uh, you know, at this point, it seems to be labeled as maybe the best tight end 
uh, in the whole West Coast, one of the best tight ends in the nation. Didn't do anything to really, uh, you know, say otherwise at camp. Obviously, again, you know, talking about non-contact, so there's a lot of uh, blocking and there's a lot of other kind of things that go on up the line of scrimmage as a tight end that you don't get to see in a camp like this. But in terms of hands, in terms of getting open, um, he's he's a really good receiver, and he's got great height. He's got really long arms. Um, good speed is from, from what we could see. Uh, you know, he, he, he read the passing windows well, even when he kind of messed up on a few routes. Still able to catch the ball. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dan Hawkins is one of the uh, coaches there uh, for uh, the Nike camp, and, and he was there kind of coaching the quarterbacks, and he was going over some of the plays, and he was telling, you know, Taylor kind of trying to explain, you know, kind of, it was a little bit of a uh, a route that was an option route, and he's telling them, okay, you don't want to stay in the inside of the hash, and Taylor, for whatever reason, ended up on the other side of the hash, and he's running up, and, and Dan Hawkins is standing there going, oh, no, 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 Taylor, you're going the wrong way, and then, you know, he ends up catching the ball, like, almost behind his back here, <laughs> and, you know, two seconds later, oh, that's a great play, you know, I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, you're like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I drew it up, and uh, he kind of seems to be one of those kids, he's a smart kid, you know, was was just he just was on it. You know, he was on it. So I mean, that was a guy that uh, that was pretty impressive yesterday. Um, I, you know, in terms of receivers, again, you, you, you're it's, it's a it's a it's a really high standard when you're going out there and you're going. And any of these guys really going to be USC level guys? You know, any of these guys can really, you know, kind of push George Farmer, Robert Woods, you know, Kyle Prater, uh, Marquise Ambles. I, I didn't see it. You know, I didn't really see it from anybody. Um, the, the the camp MVP kind of ended up being kind of a no-name guy. Uh, the guy that I that I saw, you know, probably the most spectacular plays, at least a handful, uh, were was was Derek Woods from Inglewood High School, who's about five eleven, uh, probably about one hundred ninety pounds now. He was actually listed going into the camp as going to be a DB. I want to see that. I want to see him play safety because he might actually end up being one of the better safety prospects. Uh, in, on the West Coast, especially as a free safety. You know, the biggest thing with Derek is his speed. You know, how, how is he able to develop his speed more? Um, and, and it's going to be a both wide receiver and uh, safety. He really likes USC. I mean, he is really, really into USC. He loves the academics. He's a smart kid. Um, and uh, you can just tell, you know, when he's talking about Coach Pola and talking about the relationship he has with the staff, he just glowed about it. He glowed about USC. But, again, you know, where does he really fit in? They're recruiting him as an athlete. But, you know, is he, is he more of a safety? Uh, you, you've got a guy like Jadon Mickens there, and, and my contention is, I love what Jadon Mickens does. Jadon Mickens wasn't able to be at the camp. He's still uh, recovering from his toe injury. But we've seen a little bit of Jadon at the Asante camp. And just that little glimpse, there was some it factor that we saw there. And then you put on his highlight tape. He's a track guy. I think if you're going to get a small slot guy, I, I like what Jadon gives you. I think he gives you that, that he's a little more unique, a little more of a specialty guy with his speed and his instincts and his ability to move in space. Uh, Derek is, is still, like I said, speed-wise – he, he's, he's not a big guy, but he kind of speed-wise is a little more of a possession receiver. So, uh, you know, he made some great plays Saturday, had a couple great passes down, you know, basically, again, trying to kind of show his speed, beating some guys deep um, and making some great catches. But I kind of wonder down the line if he's not a guy that is really more of a free safety um, where, you know, you can maybe hide his speed a little more. Um, or I'd like to even see him maybe play a little corner. I mean, you never know. Sometimes guys are not great in their 40, but they don't have to be. They're just quick enough, you know. Sometimes it's about playing corners, about hips, it's about being quick, it's about being explosive, and he may be able to do that too. But he's a well put together kid, um, and uh, you know I, I think you know defensive backs like we talked about with Devontae Neal, that was a pretty good position.
Green. You had guys like Alfonso Marsh, uh, Brandon Beaver. Um, you know, one of the guys that really stood out to me, and I'll just mention real quick, was a 2013 kid, David Price from Long Beach Poly. I mean, that, that kid's going to be really good. He's uh, probably going to be a safety. Um, played some corner last year. Uh, kind of talked about being a corner. I think, you know, he played safety at the camp, and I think he's definitely going to develop into a safety. He's about six foot. He's getting close to that, you know, 195 pound range, I would say. Um, he'll probably be at least 200 pounds by the time he's a senior. Um, but 2013, looks like Paulie's got another good one. And, you know, they have so few great recruits that come through that school. Uh, it's uh, hard to hard to kind of tell, you know. Yeah, there are a lot of athletes going through there in Long Beach Poly. Um, well, great stuff on there. The questions we want, we had uh, the first one from JC on Jabari Ruffin, and you actually did a really good job of answering that, so I think we can uh, skip that one. He just wanted to know, you know, you talked about his athleticism and stuff like that. Um, the other update from Casey, and we thought we were going to get a a decision fairly soon from the whole Delvon Simmons thing. I mean, you know, a possible commit was going to come for either USC or, or Texas Tech. Is there any update on that front, and what's been going on with that? There's really no update. Um, it sounds like he's still trying to make a decision, I know that there's, you know, probably some some more pressure from the regional schools to kind of try to get another unofficial visit. Um, I think Pitt is lobbying to try to get him back on campus. Um, you know, obviously he lives a lot closer there, so that might be, you know, more doable. Uh, Rutgers is still trying to get in it. Um, you know, even talk of, you know, Alabama and Auburn were trying to get in it, but that was tough because he couldn't really take an unofficial visit because, you know, it's on your own dime. You can't take any more official visits. He took his five allotted official visits. So uh, he pretty much, anywhere he visits, he's got to pay for it at this point. And that sounded like it wasn't really doable. So it's just uh, continued to be a decision process. I mean, when uh, we hear something, you'll hear something. And, um, you know, until then, it's uh, kind of wait and see. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff as always. Um, appreciate that. Just to let people know, we have a ton of stuff coming from the USC, well, the Los Angeles Nike camp held at USC. So we'll have a lot of videos. All those guys we talked about, we got video of them so you can see for yourself how they performed. We'll check all that out. We'll put those up. There's more stories coming. We did a bunch of interviews. So we'll get all that coming up there uh, on uscfootball.com. But again, Gerard, thanks very much. I know it was a long day yesterday, and we still got a lot of work to do for it. But thanks for taking out some time to talk about it with the fans out there. Thanks for having me anytime. All right. Everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. This week, Wednesday, we're going to have Ed Orgeron, USC defensive line coach, recruiting coordinator, uh, on the uscfootball.com TV show. That's on Wednesday, starting about 5 p.m. Pacific. So check out uscfootball.com. We'll put a link over to it there. It's on our Ustream page. If you want to ask Ed Orgeron questions live, you can ask about recruiting stuff, uh, the, the guys coming in, not for 2012 kids, 2011 kids, and all about the yeah, USC. Yeah, ask him about the Nike camp. Yeah, huh? <laughs> you can't ask him about the Nike No, you can't ask about any of the kids like that. But guys, they're coming in from the class of 2011. A lot of defensive linemen. Steve Dillon was just added. So a lot of topics to talk about with Coach Ed Orgeron. So it should be fun. Check that out on Wednesday and check out the Peristyle Podcast next Monday. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. 
Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 